pray for us? I will. <clears throat> Heavenly Father God, I, I thank you for today. Thank you that your mercies <coughs> are new every morning. I thank you, God, um, just for the freedom that we have to worship you, um, to come and to gather and to hear your word go forth. I think, pray, God, that we would never take that for granted, God, that we would treasure that. I thank you, God, um, for just provision in our lives, God. I thank you that you love us right down to every little detail in our life, that you love us that much. I pray, God, as we come together, just united today, that nothing would hinder um, us taking in your word and the word going forth that nothing would distract us, Lord, that we would focus and fix our eyes upon our creator, our sustainer, that you are sovereign in all things. Father, for those that are not with us today, God, I just pray your, your protection and provision and healing touch upon them. Father, and, and we just praise you uh, that you are our Abba, that you are our Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, you brought us from a mighty long way, a mighty long stay in the wilderness. Oh, Lord, you brought us through the thick and thin, through the fire and the wind, to a better place. You brought us in.
faced a mountain that I've never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never had before.
we give thanks to you this day, Father, for your love endures forever. Yes. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Yes. And Jesus, you laid your life down for us. Not only did you lay it down, but Father, you were resurrected on the third day, defeating sin and death. Victory, Lord. All for us. To reconcile us back to the Father. So that we will be at peace with our God. Such great love. That you have displayed throughout the ages, Father. I pray today, God, as we come, Father, to open your word. I pray, God, that we would be encouraged, Lord. God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but God, that we would be doers. Father, that we would yield to your leading Holy Spirit. Father, your word says that you are faithful to complete what you have begun. We know that in and of ourselves, we could not bring this about. So, Father, we look to you, Father. We have submitted our lives to you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, as we have mentioned over the past couple of days, God, that you transform us by renewing our minds. And I pray that our minds would be renewed this day. Yes. God, that we would take your truths, Lord. And demolish the strongholds that have been established by the lies of the enemy and the, from the desires of the flesh. And that those strongholds would come down, Father, and we would truly experience freedom in Christ. To be about our Father's business, to do your will, to advance your kingdom. And for that, Father, we honor you. We say, come, Lord Jesus, have your way among us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Genesis chapter 30 is where we're heading today. As we go through our scripture this morning, we're going to start off in Genesis and we're going to see if you would where we've all been at times. We try to manipulate situations to bring about our desires and our purpose. Not trusting in God, but trusting the things of this world. Then as we head into Matthew, we're going to see Jesus send out his disciples. And in sending them, he encourages them that as they go on their way to trust in God, that God will provide. They didn't have to manipulate the situation. They didn't have to add to what God has called them to. They just were to go and to trust. 
And so we're going to see two different lives, if you would, or multiple lives, but two ways of addressing life, if you would. And so as we open the Word today, I want us to really allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Where are you this day? Are you like Rebecca and Leah? No, Rachel and Leah. Of Rebecca's the mother. Rachel and Leah, who are trying to bring what they desire about in their own ways and in their own following their own superstitions and not trusting in God. And we really can't fault them because we see that a lot today in the church. In fact, years ago, I read uh, an article from this. Um, gentleman who did a survey and he found that over 90 and I can't remember I was trying to think this morning um, of his findings but I think it was like over 90 something percent of Christians sitting in churches really aren't saved really aren't Christians they're just superstitious and say so brought so they brought in the superstitions of the world into the church and they're just slapping Jesus's name on it and that's not that's not Christianity <coughs> you know that's not Christianity. See, Christianity is Jesus. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God's plan from the beginning, his love story, this beautiful plan of redemption. Jesus paid the price. Remember T.J. mentioned last night, and when he finally realized, like, that should have been me on the cross. Mm -hmm. Like, that should have been our punishment. Mm -hmm. But because of Jesus, we don't have to experience the wrath of God. Like, he bore that for us. Out of his love for us, he took that punishment that belonged to us. He took the weight upon him that crushed him for you and for me. Have you given thought to that lately? The message of the gospel, it's all about Jesus. It's not bringing in the, 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 the superstitions, the, the weird things that the world does, you know, and introducing it into the church. No, we don't need the secular temporal ways. No, we just need Jesus. We just need Jesus. Trusting in Jesus wholeheartedly. Like submitting to Jesus, recognizing that we are poor in spirit, remaining humbled, realizing that what He's done for us, that we're to freely give to others. Because if not, then we're not truly following Jesus. We're just manipulating to try to get our way through life. And Jesus has no part of that. But his love pursues us. His love endures. He constantly is drawing us back to him when we stray. When we decide to go our way, Jesus allows us to, to, to endure what we decided to go to 
But in that, he, he's constantly pursuing us to draw us back to him so that we wouldn't have to endure that which is apart from him. Like, see, in Christ, we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I love that one song. Sometimes it takes the storm of the, of the mountain. Sometimes it takes the troubled sea. Sometimes it takes the desert to get a hold of me. He allows us to experience those times. He knows what's best for us, you all. He knows the plans that he has for us. And so when, we're, when we come to Jesus, when we trust in him, that's with everything. Like, here's my life. He knows the mess that we make of it. He'll know, he knows the mess that we continually try to make of it. But he's drawing us to, our, to himself to deliver us. So then in return, we can encourage others because they see a difference in us. So it's not where you've been or where you're at. It's who he is. Amen. It all boils down to Jesus. Jesus. You know, we know that the word says what the last days are going to look like. The love of many is going to grow cold. People are going to become so selfish and self-absorbed that they're only going to look out for themselves. But we as Christians are not to grow that way. We're not to go that way or to grow that way. No, that's what makes us different. That's what makes us different. And I want to challenge us to keep that before us day in and day out. Like as Christians, to love and to serve others. To give without expecting anything back. That's what Jesus did. The more I'm looking at him and over these past few weeks and, and remembering how he looked upon those who were in need, he had compassion on them. Even when he knew that they would betray him, he still showed compassion. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're going to see when he sends the 12 out, Judas was among the 12. And Jesus knew it would ultimately be Judas who would betray him. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> so I want to challenge us as we're, again, the whole purpose of doing what we're doing through the season, it's going to take some time to get through this, through the Bible. But I'm hoping to really encourage us to go and, and take what you hear and, and go and study for yourselves. Like the whole purpose is so that we will see God for how great He is. How great He is. Did you hear the line in that song? And I hope I'm going to get it right. That your love is greater than that which comes to trouble me. Could you imagine if we really believed that each day? That your love is greater. But if you're talking about maintaining that peace that surpasses all understanding, is remembering that. Because no matter what is about to take place in our lives, His love is greater than it. And to rest in that. The other day I was walking through Walmart, and all these people were in Walmart. 
And I said, it hit me. I was as I was leaning against one of the little freezers there. It's like, wow, we're here just for a brief moment. Just for a brief moment. You're here today and gone tomorrow. created all these people, billions of people on the earth. Everyone's going every which way. And I sat there with like a, huh. And only a few are going to find that narrow road. I thought, Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. But his love sustains us. It keeps us. His love is greater than anything that would come to trouble us. Jesus is love. The hope that we have. If he is our Lord and our Savior. When you recognize again that need. Again, when T.J. mentioned last night when I realized it should have been me on that cross. Like, oh, it's very humbling. Jesus, because of Jesus, you do not have to endure the wrath of God. Like, he freely gives you his love. So in that, why would you continue to choose his wrath when his love has been revealed to you? Because you want to go your way. You want to remain selfish. You want to remain manipulative. You want to try to conjure up things to, to, to work in your favor. And all along, Jesus is going, why are you there? Because that's not where you belong. You don't want to remain in open rebellion, you all, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't want to say, I belong to you, and yet remain in open rebellion to him. Because you're making a mockery of him. You're stripping him of, of, of who he is. And making him so common when we do that, that others cannot be influenced or encouraged in the things of God. Because they don't see it revealed in your life. Why do you think whenever we see Jesus throughout the New Testament, those that he was the harshest with were the religious ones. Those who said they belonged to God, in reality they knew not God. So we can't remain in open rebellion. We can't continue to go our way and to think somehow he's going to bless what we have chosen. No, God just honors his words and what he has established. So there has to be some correction that comes to our lives. There has to be the conviction that leads us to repentance to say, oh God, what am I doing? Because again, in the last days, the love of many is grown to grow cold. They're going to seek for themselves. They're going to demand for themselves. They're going to turn against everyone and just seek for their own appetites. This is the culture 
that we're in and it's only going to continue to get worse and that's why we as the church need to grow up and mature as Christians. We cannot look like them. We cannot continue to live like them. We cannot continue to remain in rebellion like them. No. We are drawn to Christ. Our lives have been changed. We have been born again of a new nature. We're learning to go a different way. We're learning to, to seek Him above all. Above all. And that's what I want to encourage just a small fellowship of people. Listen, we've got to grow up. We've got a place here and, and a family here that we're, Christ is building. And each of us go our separate ways throughout the week. And whose life are you impacting? Have you seen the need of those around you? Have you looked on them with eternal eyes? Like when I did when I was standing in Walmart and I was like, God, all of us are going to die. And only a few are going to find you. Oh God, have you looked upon people with eternal eyes? <clears throat> Do you see their need? Are you willing to, to serve them and to love them? We're so quick with, 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 our, with our rebellious ways and then we make excuses. I'm telling you, it's got to stop. What honor is that bringing to our God? He is holy. He is righteous. Amen. He has laid his life down for us. And that's how your steps should be ordered every day. Just as you laid your life down for me, God, I willingly lay my life down. We can't have our hands involved in this. We can't manipulate it. We can't think that we could just continue to go our way and believe that he is going to continue to call us his children. No. He says those that are religious, those who are superstitious and bring in all these different weird things in the church, they're actually demonic. It's of the devil. To seek the things of this world to find hope or to find answers is demonic. It is only Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that gives us a hope and a future. Because we realize that we're just foreigners living in the land. And I love our um, series on Friday nights. We're realizing this concept of spiritual warfare. That you're in a war. Every day you wake up, every day you wake up and that you have been granted yet another day of life, you are in a war for your soul. There is a battle raging to destroy you, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen. That's why we can walk as Christians with the assurance of our God. That's why we walk differently. That's why we talk differently. That's why we serve differently. Because we know whom we belong to. Amen. 
He has given us the authority and the power to go forth and to burn bright. Remember the word of God says, don't, don't be afraid of those who can destroy your physical body. Fear the one who not only can destroy your physical body, but send you to hell. You should have a fear of God. And you walk in the uprightness of life and honoring him. That we wake up each day not to go our way. Not to continue to seek the things of this world to satisfy us. Because in Christ we're already complete. Remember we, we heard this over and over and over again. But in reality do we truly believe it? Do we truly believe it? In Christ you're whole, you're complete. You don't longer continue to wrestle with the same insecurities and plague with the same mindsets as you used to. No, you're learning and you're maturing and you're growing. You're allowing your mind to be renewed because that's how you're transformed. And as we heard on Friday night, as your mind is renewed, so your feet goes. You live differently. You talk differently. You start acting differently. No, I don't go that way any longer. No, I don't say those things any longer. No, I don't do those things. No, I don't think that way any longer. Because that is of the rebellious nature. And I'm considering those things dead, nailed to the cross. My interest is no longer there, and its interest in me is no longer there. Oh, but do we truly believe it? That's why we're opening up. That's why we're going from Old Testament to New Testament. Getting a revelation of who God is. We've seen so far as we've opened up that God is faithful to what he has established. To what he has spoken, he's faithful to. And no matter our drama, no matter the chaos around us, God is going to work through it to bring about what he's purpose. Rather, you're in alignment with him or not. <clears throat> but I would hope that we would line up with him. <laughs> It goes a lot easier for us. And so again today we're going to open up. And there's going to be drama. Two women jealous of each other. Drama. Babies, mamas. Fighting. Desiring to get ahead of the other. And poor Jacob... He's stuck in the middle. And in Jacob's life, what we see through this is that Jacob is, is a hard worker. Jacob has been wronged. Laban's playing him like a fool. But Jacob starts wising up. And God, remember what God said last week to him. He promised him. He gave him that Abraham covenant, if you would. Like, I'm with you. Remember what he says, Jacob. If you do this, then you will be my God. Like, you will be my God. I will follow you. I'm in covenant with you. Trusting God. So all this chaos, craziness with these two women around him... Jacob didn't get caught up in it. 
J.D. stayed focused and was accomplishing and doing what he was supposed to do in the midst of this season. It was just a season for Jacob. Years, though, it was. It is just a season to bring about what God was doing. Remember, God is building a nation, you all. He's building a nation through Jacob. That's amazing. And the reason why he's building this nation is because of what he spoke back in the garden. There's going to come one when he said to the enemy, that's going to crush your head. The Messiah is coming forth. God's word is established, so he's bringing it about. And Jacob, and these children that are being birthed, a nation is being established to accomplish God's plans. See, you never know what God has intended for your life. But we do know this. God says that he's created good works for us to do long before we were born to bring about his purpose to build his kingdom so let's like Jacob be diligent in and out of our seasons of life to work hard to honor our word and to wait patiently for God God's timing so we open up this morning, <laughs> chapter 30 of Genesis. <laughs> when Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He asked. He's the one who has kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, take my maid, Billa, and sleep with her. She will bear children for me. And through her, I can have a family too. So Rachel gave her servant, Billa, to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Billa became pregnant and presented him with a son. Rachel named him Dan. For, she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my request to give me a son. Then Bilal became pregnant again and gave Jacob a second son. Rachel named him Nathali. For she said, I have struggled hard with my sister and I am winning. Do you see where, where she's focused? Yeah. <clears throat> she wants to outdo her sister. It's jealousy. It's striving to get ahead of the other. <laughs> Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore. So she took her servant, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Soon Zilpah presented him with a son, Leah named him Gad, for she said, how fortunate I am. Then Zilpah gave Jacob a second son, and Leah named him Asher, 
For she said, What joy is mine, now the other women will celebrate with me. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in a field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Rachel begged Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. But Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Now will you steal my son's mandrakes too? And Rachel answered, I will let Jacob sleep with you tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. Wow. Mandrakes. Back in the days, these flowers, they, it was believed that they would help with your fertility issues. They believed that they, that they possessed some type of power some type of healing to bring about childbirth. That's why there's an argument over these. And there actually was really rare in this area. And so to find them, I only can imagine what Leah was thinking. But now Rachel sees what Leah has and probably thinking now she has it within her hands to, 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 be, to use these mandrakes, these flowers, to become pregnant. And then she basically prostitutes Jacob's out. You can sleep with him tonight, but give those to me. So that evening, as Jacob was coming home from the fields, Leah went out to meet him. You must come and sleep with me tonight, she said. I have paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found. So that night he slept with Leah. And God answered Leah's prayers. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a fifth son for Jacob. She named him Ishkar. For she said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband as a wife. Then Leah became pregnant again and gave birth to her sixth, sixth son for Jacob. She named him Zubalim. For she said, God has given me a good reward. Now my husband will treat me with respect, for I have given him six sons. Later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. I love the fact that we see it wasn't the mandrakes that brought about the children. It was God. And both of their lives. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God, God has removed my disgrace, she said. And she named him Joseph. She said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I have worked for you. And Jacob had. Jacob honored his word. Jacob worked hard. Please listen to me, Laban replied. 
I have become wealthy for. The Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you, whatever it is, and I'll pay it. And Jacob replied, You know how hard I've worked for you, and how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. And you had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. But now, what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked again. And Jacob replied, Don't give me anything. Just do this one thing, and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals you have given me as my wages, you'll see that I have been honest. If you find in my flock any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I have stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied. It'll be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep. He placed them in, his, in the care of his own sons, who took them a three days journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. <clears throat> Laban knew how he was obtaining the favor and the blessings and the wealth. It wasn't of anything of himself. It's because of Jacob. Jacob. But Jacob knew that it was time for him to move on. And so they had this encounter. And Laban again has tried to trick Jacob. He's removed the speckled ones, the spotted ones. <clears throat> then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, for that was where they mated. And when they mated in front of the white streaked branches, they gave birth to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock, and at mating time he turned the flock to face Laban's animals, that were streaked and black or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches and the watering troughs in front of them. Then they would mate in front of the branches. But he didn't do this with the water, the weaker ones. So the weaker lambs belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a, re as a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. All of this that he was doing was a custom back in that day. There was a belief that if you did what he was doing, you, you stripped it down, you gathered from these trees, you placed it in the, the trough, that, the, that there was an understanding that as the animals drank from it and looked upon it, that's how the babies will come forth and be speckled and spotted. Now, they realized through that custom, as I was reading, that eventually that, that's not what worked. It's not what happened. Because we, we would have seen it all throughout 
the generations of that's how farmers would breed their animals, that they want a specific type of animal. As we've gone as further read, as we open up chapter 31, we're going to see that it wasn't because of what he placed in the water that brought forth the speckled ones, but it was God. It was God. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's son were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude towards him. Careful of those who are in your life that are reaping the blessings of God from your life. Because sooner or later, they're going to start grumbling about you. But it's time for the Lord to move you on. And they realize what they're going to lose. They're going to turn quickly against you. Then the Lord said to Jacob, the Lord speaking, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. God accomplished what he told Jacob that he would do when he had that encounter with Jacob years before. And you remember the blessing that was pronounced over Jacob that you would come back to this land. God's timing, God's perfect timing is always at work in our lives if we would just honor Him and how we're living while we are waiting. Time has come, the Lord speaks. So Jacob, verse 4, called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I have noticed that your father's attitude has, toward me has changed. But the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I've worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For he has said, the speckled animals will be your wages. The whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said, the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One day during mating seasons, I had a dream. I saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. Then the angel said, look up, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of, the stone, of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. God has not forsaken us, you all. God has not left us. God sees all the goings around and goings on around us. And God will accomplish what he has called us to. Both of them, Rachel and Leah, responded, That's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyways. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. And after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us. And then verse 16 is where we're stopping. All the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. 
So go ahead and do whatever God, I'm sorry, do whatever God has told you. So we're seeing this. God is about to uproot Jacob and his family. All of his possessions, his servants, everything. And they're going to be on a move now. Let's go to Matthew. Chapter 10. Verse 1. So, what we just read, we see that people trying to manipulate and try to accomplish things in their own strength. And we're going to transition into chapter 10 where Jesus is about to send out his disciples and giving them this understanding it's not going to be done in your strength. You're going to have to depend upon me. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, curse those with cure those, not curse, oh my goodness, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Look at this. Give as freely as you have received. There's the key to how we're called to live and to go about our lives, you all. Give as freely as you have received. What you have received from God, give away. Love, forgiveness. All of everything, that, that, that whole understanding of what you received as a Christian, you are to freely give it away to others. Who are you to hold back? Who are you to hold back? Holding back is ungodly. It's not honoring God. Freely give as you have received. Live that way. And watch your mind be renewed. Watch your feet begin to go a different way, living a different way, being transformed into this new creation. To the one who has been born again of the Spirit. And he's sending them first to the Jews. The gospel is meant for everyone. But Jesus was sending them first to the Jews. And we've already seen, as we've studied through the Gospels, a lot of the Jewish people weren't, if you would, responding to Christ. They may have been caught up in his miracles, but they weren't really responding. What we've seen is it's the outsiders, if you would, that have come that have had great faith that Jesus was moved by. 
And as I was studying this and looking at this, I thanked him as, my, as for myself that where does judgment start with? Always with the house of God first. I mean, when you think of churches today, you know, a lot of people are gathering, thinking they're in relationship with God, hearing the word of God. But where is judgment going to hit first? To those who say they belong to God. These men were heading out into these towns. And I'm going to, I don't know about you, but I find it very interesting that as they're being sent out, listen to how Jesus describes what they should expect. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. So your dependence is not going to be upon yourself. No, provision will come as needed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. And if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessings. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. And I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Shake the dust off your feet as a sign of judgment unto them. They were heading in to cities and towns of people who should know God. People who, who should be ready to receive the message of God because these are the people that were expecting the Messiah to return. But these people have been led, led astray by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. Yet though they were saying God's word, they weren't believing it, and they kept adding to it. They started making all these weird rituals and superstitious ways to live. They started adding more and more to a God that already established, and yet they were holding people back from God. That when finally the Messiah shows up, Finally, the disciples of the Messiah enters into their towns. They don't want to hear it. They want to go about their way, what's right for them, and what they've done this whole time. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware. For you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity, this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. 
When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I am sending you. I'm giving you specific instructions. Go only to the people of Israel. God's lost sheep, he tells them. And this is how they're going to treat you. This is what's going to happen. And we've talked about it a lot here, the call of a disciple. To deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him. You're not going to be received by everyone. Because Christ wasn't. Who, who in their right temporal mind would follow Christ? See, the only reason why one would follow Christ is because God was pleased to reveal himself to them through his son Jesus. He laid his life down for us. We submit to him. We are born again. We're of a new nature. We're living differently and we're walking differently now. We're, we're about our father's business, realizing that we're foreigners in this world, realizing that everything that's established in this world is against us because it's against Christ. It's in rebellion towards God's kingdom. We're no longer of the rebellion. We're of God's kingdom. We've been engrafted into his family. So we know that as we live our lives upright in a crooked world, people are going to take issues with us. And just look at what's happening to Christians around the world, but let's just look at our culture here. They are mocked. They are laughed at. They are ridiculed. You stand for Christ. You live for Christ. You begin allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you into a righteous individual. People are going to look down upon you. This culture is not embracing Christ, nor should we think it will. But there's still work for us to do. We're still called to go out each and every single day and bear his name. <laughs> Be a witness to others. To live in a way that honors Him. Because we recognize we are in a war. And we don't want to be on the side of rebellion. We don't belong there anymore. But we've been called to go. To go to proclaim the good news. These apostles were called to go to proclaim the message of Jesus. And did you see, did it stand out to you when he said this? You will stand. Make sure I'm going to read what I want to read to you. Yes. Verse 18. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. Jesus, can we change this? Can, can it just be a little bit easier for us? Yeah, no. No. Remember the line from that song? His love is greater than that which will trouble us. 
No, no. This will give you an opportunity. They will beat you. They will drag you in the sin, into their synagogues. They will make a mockery of you. You will go and you will stand trial. But this is my plan. That will be the opportunity that you will bear witness for me. Wow. Again, I ask, who in the right temporal mind would follow this? It has to be that of a, of a new birth. It has to be of the Spirit that you've laid your life down and there's a new way to live now. As you leave God, I'll follow. I'll go. And that wholeness, again, that understanding that you are whole now, you're complete now. There is a way in which you can live now and you can go that no matter what comes your way, that you are kept in Christ. And then he goes on. Oh, even before I move on, we saw how it ends there. He tells him it's basically the Spirit of God that's going to be speaking through you. Don't depend on yourself to give a defense, to give an argument. The Spirit of God will give you what's needed to speak. Again, you all, this life has to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not upon your works, not upon your goodness. It has to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to mature to a place that we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit, you all. We can't again remain in rebellion and expect the Holy Spirit to, to use us as vessels of honor if we're living lives that are grieving Him. I mean, think about when we're warned in Scripture not to live lives that grieve the Holy Spirit. No, He's the one we're dependent upon. Jesus says, I have to go away so that He will come. He will comfort us. He will guide us. He will, he will teach us. And so through your day, how many times do you actually turn to Him? How many times do you give thought to what would be the right thing to do that will honor God? How many times when you see, and we should see it pretty constantly, that we don't have it in ourselves to bring it about, but He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. That's why we must trust in Him. But he goes on, he says, A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their masters. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have, called, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. And that's where we're in today, verse 25. 
if they called me the master of demons, the prince of demons, they're going to call you worse. Remember, the temporalness of life, this earth is in complete rebellion towards God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever will believe to him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember, God is faithful to what he has established. And God spoke back in the garden to the enemy. There's going to come one who's going to crush your head. We're seeing it as we're going through the Old Testament. God's being faithful to his word. God's plan is coming about. We've seen it in the New Testament when Jesus appears. He's a baby and growing as a man. He is the Messiah. And now he's establishing the new covenant and advancing his kingdom to bring about what was all, always purpose, redemption. God's love to be known, to be made known to all creation. God, you all. This is whom we gathered this morning to open his word and to whom I pray that each of us has submitted our lives to. And that daily, our hearts cries, Yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Because think about it. As we've talked about it before, there's going to be those that's going to stand before him. And they're going to say, Well, didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? And he's going to tell them, Depart from me. You worker of iniquity, you worker of sin, those who remained in rebellion, I don't know you. Doesn't matter how good you try to be, doesn't matter how you try to manipulate the situation, doesn't matter what, if you're not in relationship with him, he does not know you. And to those who will stand before him, there will be those that he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Wow. He rewards us. Being diligent. Going through each and every single day of our lives. Bearing witness of who he is and what he's done. But if we don't believe who he is and what he's done, we won't live differently. If we don't have fellowship with him daily, we can't have fellowship with each other and it'd be honoring, honoring to him. Paul even says to the church, there's so much division among you. How can I be grateful, basically, that you're even meeting? Because nothing good comes out of division. A divided house will always fall. Unity. That's why all through the scriptures and these letters that are written to be mean in unity to uphold the standard of righteousness to love each other to freely give to each other because we've so freely received what he freely gave to live a life it's like Christian community is to be so different than the way the world does community because remember 
The Bible says, how will they know that we belong to him? By our love for one another. Not for our good works, not for our love for the lost, not for our anything else, but for our love for one another, for the community that we have. Remember, it's Jesus who builds his church. He brings his people together for fellowship, to live life together. So as you're having this relational life with him, then it's to flow out to others. It's to flow out to others. And we're to honor that. We're to respect that. Because the days are growing more evil. And so we have to protect what is being preserved throughout the world. God's truth. We have to honor him. We have to watch our attitudes. We have to mind our, our thoughts. We have to watch the words that are coming out of our mouth. We have to watch what we're putting our hands towards. We have to watch what we're taking in. We're to be people of God. No longer of the rebellion, but people of His kingdom. There's work to be done. Go to Psalm chapter 12. Verses 1 through 8, the whole psalm there. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. Then say, we will lie into our hearts content. I'm sorry. They say, we will lie to our hearts content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? Wow. David is writing here. Help, O Lord. For the godly are fast disappearing. Even in David's generation, he is seeing how the ungodliness is spreading. Look what he says here. The faithful have vanished from the earth. But we know, every time that we see it to be bleak out there and things are even, though it's getting darker, God always has a remnant. Remember, God is going to honor his word. It may look like the enemy's advancing. It may look like he's winning. But the enemy is actually only bringing about what God has already established. The enemy has been given the right to rebel. The darkness and the craziness that's going on this earth, it does not make God wring his hands and pace back and forth. No, he's seated. He knows what's in the works and what's happening. Remember the demons even say, Jesus, what is it, time? They know the time is coming. They know what's ahead for them. 
That's why we must be diligent to be about our Father's business. We don't know the time or the day or the hour that Jesus is returning. And those that are with him will be with him. Those who are against him will be separated from him for all eternity. For all eternity. And we want to play games. We want to keep living ungodly lives. We want to continue to go about our ways using our little superstitions and neglect, really, the very God who has created us and called us to himself. We can't live that way any longer, you all. We can't. There's work to be done. The godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. And listen to the ungodly, what they say. We will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? Isn't that how we live before Christ? Isn't that how the temporal mindset lives? Those who are just temporal, living to satisfy themselves? Who can stop me? It's what I want to do. It's who I want to be. The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the, the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises, look at this, are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land. So even though all of this is taking place, God is going to preserve those who belong to him. God is going to protect and move on behalf of those who call upon the name of the Lord. So let the wicked and the evil strut. Let them go and do whatever they want to do. Be about your father's business, you all. Be about your father's business. Go bear his name and declare the good news. To think that there will ever be peace on this earth is foolish. To think that somehow, as we all try to unify together, as the world wants to do, moving towards that one religion and one government, thinking that's going to bring peace to the earth, is nothing but a lie. It's nothing but a lie. Jesus himself said, what do you think? I came to bring peace? No, no, no. I came to divide. Those who are with me, those who stand against me. So don't get caught up in the weirdness that's out there even when they use the name of Jesus. Don't get caught up in religious ways or superstitious ways. Don't be one who keeps meddling in the affairs of life, trying to solve your problems and not depend upon God, because that is never going to work. Remember, all we know to do in and of ourselves is to destroy. Destroy our own lives and destroy others around us. 
when we work in our own ways, in our own strength. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, you all, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 13. And we're only going to read 13 through 15. Verse 13 of chapter 3, Proverbs. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. You're not feeling joy. You don't experience the, the fullness of joy in your life is because you're lacking wisdom and understanding. You're frustrated, you're stressed to the max. You're lacking in wisdom and understanding. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom, as we see, we'll see all throughout the book of Proverbs, she's calling to us. Come this way. Live this way. You can reject her. You can go your way, but oh, the mess that you're going to make of your life. And not again, as, we, as we're reading, like these people who we've read from the Old Testament, who has meddled, who has tried to make things work in their own ways, they've made a mess of their lives, but just not their lives, but the lives of those that are around them, their families. That's what we must realize. And as I'm so excited about TJ and the call that he has for the youth of this generation, like we have really, you all, have got to realize the need of our youth. There's such brokenness all around us. But if they don't see us living it, if they don't see us honoring him, we're just handing them over. To rebellion. When we're not disciplining, dis, disciplining them, we're just allowing them to live unruly lives. When they don't have God present in their home and in, in, in their hearts, wow, then what hope do they have? But come on. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Seek for that. Having that is more precious than having all the material stuff in this world. Because again, our hopes now as a Christian is not to gain the wealth of the world. But it's to honor the kingdom and our king whom we are serving. Like we have been grafted into his kingdom. We are now ambassadors to go out among the rebellion, among the war, and to live a life honoring Him. Amen?
All right, let me close with this song, and I'll close this in prayer. You hit it.